Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? DJ Bucky back here on Move the Sticks as we kind of march through the summer months now, Buck. There's uh, there's no more NBA playoff action, but man, the NBA offseason kind of got me thinking a little bit. How about you? Uh, it's unbelievable, man. I, I mean, shoot, you're coming off a great finals. Um, and then that weekend you now have a major trade involving a star quality player, an MVP caliber player, um, Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. It's just kind of unbelievable, the, the trade machine. Like, that's kind of stuff that you play with um, on the computer. <laughs> you kind of talk about, A, in the barbershop with your friends. This would be cool to see the Lakers pull this off. And if you were the Pelicans, what would you want? But to see it play out in real time and to see how much they gave up, really unbelievable. All right, we're going to dig into that trade and, and try and correlate it to, to what takes place in the NFL. And it's a classic discussion, too. Is it about stars? Is it about the depth of your roster? Uh, we're going to kick that around. Also going to talk about some second-year players with a lot of focus on them, a lot of pressure on them, need to step up, need to have a big year. We're going to kick around some of those names. Uh, but stoked today, Buck, because we've got two NFL general managers that are going to join the show. John Robinson from the Tennessee Titans is going to join us, as well as Thomas Dimitrov from the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, really excited to talk to both of those guys because it's um, a rare opportunity to talk to team builders about a couple of different things. We're going to talk about how you put it together, what do you like in certain things, but then also uh, we're using some of that information for some later podcasts that we have going down the line. Yeah, it's going to go into our, our prototype series. We're going to be rolling out here before too long. We're going to go position by position, and we're going to dig into that position. What do we look at when we're evaluating? And me and Bucky will kick that around at the top of those episodes. We'll have guests, which are going to be former players, uh, excel at the position, play with other great players, as well as decision makers, be it on the coaching side or the personnel side. And those are going to just kind of wrap up one position per episode. Uh, we'll be rolling that out before too long here uh, over the summer. But, Buck, I, I want to jump into this, uh, this trade. 
fascinating, this NBA trade, because I do think it is fascinating. And we'll get a chance to talk to, to Thomas Dimitrov about it as somebody who pulled off a blockbuster trade. And we talk about the Julio Jones trade. But I don't, we, we've never seen anything like this in terms of the compensation that you get uh, for Anthony Davis. No, we, we, we've never seen anything like this. Um, so the Lakers send away three first-round picks. They do a, trop, uh, a trade swap in terms of positions to get Anthony Davis. And they gave up three really good players. In addition to that, I mean, when you think about the guys they let go, Brandon Ingram. Young players. Yeah, Lonzo Ball, uh, Josh Hart, three very good young players, guys that were contributors. Uh, two of those guys were first-round picks. Um, then not only do you give them that, but then you give them three additional first-round picks. So in essence, we're talking about maybe five first-round picks for an MVP caliber player. And the outrage on Twitter, you heard people saying, like, oh, my God, the Pelicans killed the deal. They got everything. Uh, but then I wonder – Sometimes we get fascinated behind what's behind door number one, as opposed to the known commodity. The one thing that we know in Anthony Davis, we've seen him play and seen him play out, and we understand what his ceiling is. You kind of know what you're getting. The mystery behind those doors, you just don't know. And even though we may think that we're the best scouts and the best evaluators, you never really know until you get them. And so it depends on do you value what I know or do I value the unknown and what could be? And I think that's something that all the executives, be it in every sport, they have to kind of grapple with when it comes to making a trade. You know, I was thinking about it, um, trying to find it. It's a copycat league. Sports is it's copycat sports. Forget the NFL. We're always looking, and we talk to these decision makers all the time. They're always looking into different sports, how it's done. We've seen sports science, which really kind of took off in, in European soccer, make its way over here uh, to the NFL. And, and I do think when you look at, at this trade and you look at some of the other moves that have been made over the NBA uh, over the last decade, and it really is a star league buck for the most part, and we can we can get into that stars versus depth in a second. But I think the Los Angeles Rams have, have tinkered and toyed with this a little bit. When mm -hmm. you look at them parting with draft picks uh, for guys like Brandon Cooks, for guys like Marcus Peters, established known commodities, and they even make a trade uh, and go get uh, a Fowler, give him an edge rusher there uh, in the middle of the season last year. But finding established players and saying, okay, we're a team that's ready to win right now. We're not going to you're not going to worry about a pick, especially if it's in the bottom end of the first round. I think that's a key part of this deal, uh, you know, where, look, it's, you know, what you get. You don't know exactly what you're going to get. You've, you hope you're getting a great player. But why go for hope when you can go for a proven commodity when you have a team that's ready to win right now? And that's the key component to me. If you're a team that's ready to win right now, you trade picks for players. Hey, that is a great example. And you know what? It worked out for the L.A. Rams. They didn't win the championship, but they were in the Super Bowl. And so I think by estimation, we would call that season a success. They were able to take on Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib. They signed Indomitian Sue, Dante Fowler. Guys, I think all of those guys are first-round picks. Yeah, all of those guys were first-round picks, and they came in and played at a high level. And so we can talk about whether they um, kind of mortgage their future for kind of like a one-and-done season. But it worked out, and I think all of us would love to have the lottery ticket to go to the Super Bowl and for 60 minutes to be in the position to win uh, the Lombardi Trophy. And so Les Snead and those guys rolled the dice. It turned out for them, even though they didn't win it. We will see if other teams are more willing to be daring when it comes to acquiring known players as opposed to kind of holding on and kind of stockpiling picks. Buck, look at the team that lost in the AFC Championship game last year. So you're the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a notoriously deep draft in the defensive line position. You feel like you're going to get a good player there. You're hoping you're going to get a pl player there. But you've got a team with Patrick Mahomes and company that's ready to win right now. So let's eliminate hope. Let's trade that first-round pick. Let's go get Frank Clark, who is still a young player, but we know exactly what we're getting. We're getting a top-five pass rusher in the NFL. So that's another example. Again, if the window is open, man, go for it. Don't worry about picks and young players in, in the future. Let's go win right now with something we know exactly what we're buying. I mean, like, take it a step further. The Chicago Bears and what they were able to do with Khalil Mack, that was a team that felt yep. like, look, we went all in the offseason. We're ready to go. We got our young quarterback playing on a cheap deal. Let's go make a move to get what we thought was the final piece of the puzzle. Uh, Khalil Mack comes over, changes the identity of defense. The defense plays at a top level. They now are a team that not only wins the division, but they make a little bit of a, a, a run in the postseason if the kicker knocks down 
a, a makeable field goal. And so how about Amari Cooper? Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys. So look, as much as we say the NBA and the NFL are different, we have seen in the last season <laughs> teams are more willing to go and get a known commodity because the Dallas Cowboys did go get Amari Cooper, and it did take him from good to great on the offensive side because they needed that that other player. They needed to complete the triplet. When he came, he gave them their third offensive weapon to go with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and the Dallas Cowboys looked like a different team down the stretch. Yeah, it's 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 really fascinating when you look at it. Um, you can look at the Raiders, and they they parted with two of those veterans there. Um, but they could say, okay, we're not ready to win. Our window's really not open right now. So maybe it makes more sense to trade kind of a known commodity and, and have some cost control, send those out, in, and you really try and push towards the future. But the Dallas Cowboys always in a win-now mode. The, the Chicago Bears had to have a good year there if they were going to, to keep that train moving forward. Um, and then you also look at the Rams, who were in a win-now mode. So I think the key... Buck, e- either side of it you're on, whether you're you're shipping out known commodities or you're bringing in known commodities, you have to know, is our window open? Are we ready to, ready to win right now? If you're ready to win right now, man, I'd be calling on every veteran in the league that I think could come in and help me, and I'd be more than willing to part with a pick. Yeah, I think you have to be able to really be self-critical. You have to know exactly where your team is. And I think some of it is knowing exactly where your team is on the field, also knowing what is the situation when it comes to the quarterback. We've seen teams go all in or being more willing to go all in when you have a quarterback on that rookie deal. So you have that five-year window to make it happen, with the exception of the Dallas Cowboys, who had Dak Prescott on that uh, four-year. But but, but look at those teams. Look, look at those teams we're just talking about, right? Those teams, all of those have in common, right? They were all on the rookie deals. Cowboys, Bears, um, yeah, Rams. Yeah, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, all, yes. Kansas City Chiefs, all those teams bringing in established players with quarterbacks on a rookie deal. I think that's an interesting connection you just made. That, you know, DJ, when you think about it, as we go forward and we wonder about how the team building model will be, I do wonder when you have the young quarterback, the team building model is – Young quarterback, those five years, let's accumulate as many veterans as we have. If the quarterback is good when we pay him, now we have to flip. You got to go young. (laughs) We got to go young, and now we have to make sure that we're excellent when it comes to drafting those skill guys. And so as a team builder now, you have to be depth in both worlds, meaning you got to be really good understanding the pro side, understanding what is available in free agency and those things, while also – being able to be really a keen and astute evaluator in the draft because at some point you're going to have to be able to flip the way that you go about building your team. Yeah, and it's interesting to see as these guys start getting paid, right? Russell Wilson gets paid and then they're they're parting with a guy like Frank Clark and, and trading back in the draft, trying to get a bunch of cheap starters uh, for the next several years. Um, we'll see what happens with the Philadelphia Eagles. They've just paid Carson Wentz. Now, does that change what they're doing now? They're going to have comp picks they do each and every year. Uh, but is that a situation where maybe they, after the season, okay, we can, we can part with a veteran because we feel like we've got some young players coming up. We're not going to have to pay that veteran. We'll move on and, and go in a different direction. So we'll see what happens when Jared Goff gets paid, when uh, when Trubisky gets paid, when Deshaun Watson gets paid. It is really, it's really two different tracks you've got to operate on. But it used to be, it, it didn't used to be like this. It used to be, we're going to get a young quarterback, we're going to mm-hmm. surround him with other young players, and we're going to let this group kind of grow up together, and three or four years from now, we're really going to have something. It's not like that anymore. Well, you know why? Because, uh, DJ, I think when you and I both got into business, the thing that made many people find scouting appealing is the stability of the general manager. Uh, I remember when I got in, they were like, hey, you should scout rather than coach because coaching is volatile. They'll get rid of head coaches every three or four years. General managers, they'll be there because they have the long-term vision of the organization in their hand. They may hire two or three coaches. Well, now what we're seeing, general managers don't get the same kind of leash that they used to get. So now there's more pressure on them to find a way to win until they can put their long-term plan in place. And that has kind of changed the way teams are being built. Now you want the young quarterback. Let's get guys that are ready to play right now. Let's win. Win for a little bit. That'll buy me some more time. Then I can kind of build it out the way that we talked about with the young players. Uh, it's, it's changed. It is a changing dynamic, a changing team building philosophy that is beginning to take root in the National Football League. I'm embarrassed to say this, Buck. You know who we forgot? Cleveland Browns. Odell Beckham. We, we forgot about that one. Man, that is another one. Like, DJ, like, but once again, you kind of pointed it out. 
the common denominator. Every one of these guys, every one of the teams, they are on young (laughs) deals. Uh, The only exception that we might could talk about would be the Oakland Raiders with Derek Carr. But I think they're different because, man, they're trying to come from the bottom. But they were sellers more than they were buyers. Yes. You know, I mean, yes, they took Antonio Brown and those things, but everybody else has been the same thing. Philadelphia, when you go back and look at what they did with uh, Alshon Jeffrey, um, picking up some of the other players that they've been able to accumulate during the time that Carson Wentz has been there and playing at a level, all of these guys are playing on rookie deals. And so, yes, that is the new way that you go about building the thing. You have to take the Lakers model. The Lakers team building model is a model that now exists in the National Football League. Which which begs a question a little bit with Houston, in my opinion, looking at this, with all these teams with, with young talent. And Houston has a really good roster. But, man, Buck, you can make a case, hey, at this point in time with Deshaun Watson, why not push all your chips in and go out and try and trade a, trade a first-round pick and go get a premier, premier player? Titus Howard's got a chance to be a good player, Buck. Um, he's got a chance to help them. I don't know if he's going to be able to help them year one. And this team right now, every year is 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 so priceless, man. Don't don't punt on that opportunity. If you had an opportunity uh, to trade a, a couple picks and go get somebody that can help you win right now or shore something up around Deshaun Watson, I don't know. It's something that uh, that kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. Why not go all in at this point in time? They are a team that should have gone all in. Like even if you think about what they have on offense, we talked about their biggest weakness being an offensive line. Well, why not go and get heavy in the trade market for an offensive line? Try and get the best offensive line that you can find, be it a left tackle, be it a guard, if those guys are on the market. I mean, why not be serious Oh, you know who players? I would have called, Buck? You know, I would have called, who- called Miami and said, look, I would have said, look, you might not be you, – you, you are not going to win for a while now. You've already said that you're looking at the long term and maybe even trying to get a top pick next year so you can get one of those quarterbacks. We've seen all those reports say, you know what, we'll take Laramie Tunsil off your hands. We're going to give you a first-round pick this year. I, I would have given them a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year and, and even thrown in a player because I feel like I've gotten a premier young left tackle that I can pair up with Deshaun Watson. And, and maybe they say no. Maybe they say there's no chance we're not going to trade somebody like that. But I would have been looking around the league and trying to pinpoint different opportunities where I could go get not a good player, but a great player and pay whatever mm-hmm. you got to pay. Yeah, I, I think that's a good that's a good thing. And Miami would have been more willing to listen. Maybe they wouldn't have parted ways with Laramie Tunsil. However, this was a team that was really on a rebuild, a team that was trying to do it the right way, the Miami Dolphins, being that they kind of want to stockpile, get picks, and do it. You might have had a, a, a willing ear. Um uh, at the time. And I do think you're right, like, because the Texans are the only team really with a young quarterback that hasn't been bodacious when it comes to trying to acquire the right kind of talent to allow their young quarterback to kind of thrive. That's an interesting conversation, man. It's a, It really is. And we can continue on this conversation because I know our next guest, as we mentioned at the top of the show, has experience in making a blockbuster trade at the NFL level. Here's our, our conversation with the Atlanta Falcons general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. If I have this correct, TD, are you going into your 12th year as a general manager of the Atlanta Falcons? Can that be possible? Unbelievable. It is 12 years, and that's not a back pat at all. It's just it blows me away because we know how, you know, how a treacherous can be uh, walking through a, a career like this uh, just because uh, there's just a lot going on, of course. But 12 years, I think it may be, there may be three or four of us that are right around that a little bit more tenured than I am. You know, T.D., I I have to hit you on this because we just saw this happen in the NBA. Um, The L.A. Lakers made a big deal where they gave up a ton of number one picks for a known commodity in Anthony Davis, a guy that's played at an MVP level. You certainly have pulled big deals, uh, namely the Julio Jones trade. When you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out how to build your team, how do you know when to give up picks for a known commodity versus, hey, we're going to stay back and we're going to really try and build our team through the draft? And that's a that's a great question, uh, Bucky. Back then, uh, this was probably not talked about a whole bunch, but I remember getting our asses kicked, to be quite honest with you, by a number of receivers <laughs> and, and different big-time players around the league. And uh, I, I remember saying to myself and, and Mike Smith at that time, like, we truly need to have these you know, outrageously talented people that are going to have everyone back on their heels, right? Whether it's a a big-time defensive player, but or whether it's in you know Julio, Julio Jones's case, a guy that's going to have everyone on their heels, whether he catches four balls or 14 balls, 
it was a difference maker through and through. And, 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 and we just believe that your pillar players, I truly believe this, your pillar players have to be that influential and they have to, they have to turn the world upside down. And I think we felt like Julio at that point was a guy that was going to be, you know, ha- have the potential to be, you know, a, a first ballot ha- hall of fame guy. That wasn't really the driving force. It had to, it more had to do with how he was going to turn, hopefully turn teams upside down, went down when they were playing them. What's the challenge, TD, building a, building a roster now uh, in a salary cap league where you're trying to balance those stars like a Julio Jones that you've got to worry about on the other side of the ball each and every snap? Where you've got to have your stars, but we've also seen you've got to have the depth on your roster. I mean, what, what is your uh, focus when you're trying to balance those two things? Oh, that's a, that's a great, great question as well. I think, you know, we talk about it again and again, and we realize that, you know, you're going to pay – uh, we're, we're paying two players, obviously, with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, who are, are making well over a quarter of our cap. And then you're trying to be very creative with how you put the team together. And we spend a lot of time on that. We understand and understood last year when we had a number of injuries, when we were looking to, to dig into our depth, it can get complicated. So, you know, luckily we have an owner who is very open and generous, you know, allowing us to spend up to the cap as much as possible. I'm, I'm not in a situation as a general manager where I am, you know, asked to have 40, 50 or $60 million cap space. That's an important thing for me. I know we have to be particular and, and creative with it, but we also have to make sure that we are, are being smart about it. So it, it is a really, really complicated situation in my mind. Luckily, uh, when we put together the right players, the players that, that have the right makeup, who have longevity, uh, we, we think we can continue to build that way and, and be smart about when it is time to move on from players that we have the people waiting in the wings to step up. Uh, we, of course, feel like it's not only you know building through the draft and supplementing with free agency, but being a lot smarter as the years go on uh, with both of those areas. And, and we feel like we have a great staff in place we feel like we have a really, really good um, communication and, and relationship with our coaching staff and our head coach, who, of course, is going to disseminate the right information so we know the players that we can get are the right players, the right scheme fits. And sometimes you can, you can land some of those players that are later draft picks and not that, at, that expensive as free agents that are going to you know, contribute and some even start. So again, it's it's a very uh, it takes a lot of creative work in my mind. You know, TD, because you have been in Atlanta for going on twelve years, you're one of the rare general managers that has been able to build a team with a quarterback on a rookie deal, build a team with a quarterback on a big money deal, and then build them on a second big money deal. What changes with each phase when it comes to paying the quarterback? How do you build it when you have a guy that is, quote-unquote, on the cheap? How do you build it when you then have to pay the quarterback? What are the differences? Well, I, I, again, I've had people tell me, like, you know, that idea of, you know, why don't you just uh, have the young quarterback and then when it's time, you're getting close, then let that quarterback go. That's obviously ridiculous, <laughs> Bucky, at least in my mind. I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope either of you two weren't uh, subscribers to that. But, uh, no, uh, not us. <laughs> No, no, look, I, I really, I mean, look, in the end, it comes, you know, we're, we're going to go as a quarterback goes in this league and, and they can be different. They can be different makeups, right? They can be different styles, different athleticisms, different, you know, arm strengths, minds, but you have to have the person that's going to lead the football team. And, and that's how not only does your offense follow your, your quarterback, but of course your defense does as well. So I, I can sit there and go round and round about it. And, and quite honestly, when we go back to thinking about our, our deal with Matt Ryan at $30 million and, and, and people complaining before that happened. And I remember saying to him in our, my side discussions with him, as well as with his agent, uh, as well as with our, you know, with Dan Quinn and, and, and Arthur Blank, our owner, I said, look, um, in the end, we can sit there and fight this and, 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 and try to pay, you know, Matt, you know, 29 and a quarter. <laughs> that, that's not going to happen because <laughs> you and I both know within two, three or four months, you know, he's no longer going to be the top paid quarterback. So we are really, really big in this organization. And thanks to Arthur Blank, this is about market value. And we won't, we won't battle that. We, we are very, I think, very mindful of that and very cognizant of how we approach it. 
And whether it's the market value for the coach's contract or the, the quarterback contract or the receiver contract, that is a really big part of how we approach it, you know, financially here. And again, we're very fortunate with that, that we're not fighting that. And uh, that's something that, you know, I think the players feel here as well. They know that they are going to be treated right. And we are definitely in a win-win and, and sort of fair approach to, to our negotiations within this organization. I love seeing a team and an organization that's going for it and not trying to do anything on the cheap. Uh, TD, I, I remember growing up, somebody told me, it might have even have been in church, but they said if you ask the priorities of a man, look at his checkbook, and that'll tell you where his priorities lie. And when I look at the way you've built this roster, especially over this offseason, what you did in the draft with Lindstrom and McGarry uh, as first-round picks on that offensive line, as I'm looking at it now, you, there's an opportunity next year. You trot out five first-round picks uh, on your offensive line, and I'm just curious – if you paying attention to what's going on around the rest of the league, you, know, you see something that the Colts did last year where they kind of doubled down at that offensive line position and the impact it had there uh, with Andrew Luck. What was the thought process with you really going hard after that offensive line? You know, uh, we were thinking last year as, as we came into the season, we were excited. We thought we had one of the, you know, uh, maybe in the top 10 ranked offensive lines. We were We were excited about it, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we had injuries to our starters right off the bat, and, and that put us in a situation where we were digging into our depth, and unfortunately we, we had some struggles there. And I remember telling Arthur this year and Dan Quinn, and we all talked about it and said, look, we will uh, hopefully never be in a situation where, where we lost our starters and we were in a spot where we just didn't have, you know, the, the, uh, the depth that we needed. And so – I had mentioned to Arthur this year, I said, look, you know, we are going to acquire two in free agency, at least two in free agency, we thought, and we are going to pay significant money. We thought we were smart with our, 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 our money and our acquisitions with Jamon Brown and, and James Carpenter. They were two guys with, with, with good experience. And we felt, and I also told Arthur during that whole acquisition period, I said, and understand this will not dissuade us one bit from acquiring in the first three rounds, potentially two offensive linemen, you know, young offensive linemen that we can build. And we are going to put together the, the five best that we can possibly put together, you know, within our world, is within our range and, and, and financial scope uh, that we thought that could, you know, present Matt with the best protection that we could have. So I said to, to Arthur, I said, by having the veterans in here, you know, acquiring the veterans along with the young guys coming in, we're going to have a good mix. And, and whoever the five best are are going to be the five best. If that's young guys or if that's the veteran guys, we are going to have them on this team, and we are going to feel very strongly about going into this season with protection of you know, Matt Ryan. So it was a very strong drive, and it was one of those things in the past few years that we've thought, well, I don't know if you can necessarily acquire you know, young talent because of the way that the work rules are that you need veterans uh, within your offensive line. So we've done that as well. Um, but we do believe with, with our acquisition of these two young, young players this year and that you had referenced, I mean, you know, both Lindstrom and, and McGarry, those guys are tough, hard-nosed guys. And when they cross the line, they're very respectful. But when they cross the line onto the field, they're competing every day, every minute with, you know, the veterans on our offensive line. And, again, we feel that that's going to put together the best offensive line possible. You know, TD, I, I have another um, kind of like bird's-eye view question when it comes to team building. Uh, there's some that subscribe to the theory. This is kind of the old Indianapolis Colts theory where when you have the big-time quarterback, you commit all of your big resources to offense, and then you draft and develop your defense. And so when I look at your team, you kind of fall a little bit in that with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and you have Muhammad Sanu. We just talked about the offensive line and Matt Ryan. But then on defense, you kind of have a bunch of young, uh, I heard you call them urgent athletes. Does that kind of play into the mix that, look, I'm going to really commit and build up my offense with my veteran quarterback, and then I need to hit on these young draft picks to build up this defense? Well, I've, I've referenced your, your, your esteemed colleague over the years and, and Bill Polian. I mean, he is, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect for him and how they did things, you know, back in the day. And I know maybe that's heresy. Uh, being involved with New England as I was for many years. Um, but, but I will say, you know, I learned so much from bro both of those programs, and I realized, back to your, your point on defense, 
you know, we went out there when Dan got here and we, you know, we've acquired, you know, Vic Beasley and we've acquired Tack McKinley. We've, we've acquired safeties. We've acquired linebackers. We have some, some young corners as well. So we are building, you're exactly right, a young defense that we feel can continue to grow. Uh, unfortunately, again, last year we had two, two uh, injuries up the middle there with our safeties and our, and our linebacker. They are back, and, you know, we continue to acquire in, in this year's draft as well, you know, some defensive players that we think can be eventual difference makers as well. So I really like where we're going, in a, in, you know, from a full scope. You know, offense where we put the money, of course, young defense, but eventually we're going to have to be in a situation where, we're gonna, where we are going to be paying these defensive players as you both know, and that's going to be another element of being creative, right? So I think it's going to be a really interesting to watch our cycle over the next few years. I like where we are defensively. I love the fact that Dan Quinn is our defensive coordinator as well, as well as he will be focusing our, on our defensive ends. Uh, I think that's going to be really good for our, our football team because he has so much passion and fire, and you will get the most urgency out of this defense, I think, with Dan at the helm. I think this is going to be one of the fastest defenses in the NFL this year, Thomas, and you've, you've got the offense. You've invested in that offensive line. You've got a premier quarterback, an MVP caliber quarterback uh, there in Matt Ryan. This is going to be a fun Falcons team uh, to watch in the upcoming season. Well, TD, look, this is your first day off, and I know how precious the time is in the offseason. It gets shorter and shorter each and every year. So for you to carve out some time for us today, man, we, uh, we cannot thank you enough. It's, uh, it was great to catch up with you. I will do this anytime you guys want. Just just keep uh, reaching out to the group here because uh, you guys, and, and I look back, I don't know if you've ever seen that with uh, Bucky and I did something on it. Was that about a year and a half ago, <laughs> two years ago? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I get people calling me on that every once in a while. We had a good time with that. And, and with good guys like you guys who obviously know football in and out, I really appreciate the time. Well, Buck, Thomas Dimitrov has been a good friend of ours for a long time. He's always been good to the program and, and great to get his uh, perspective on things. I think he's, he's obviously a very bright guy, and I always enjoy our chats. Yeah, I always enjoy talking to TD because he has done it a couple of different ways. He's been with a few different organizations, but the way he has kind of built the Atlanta Falcons, then had to rebuild him after paying the quarterback, then having to do it one more time. I think he has a unique perspective on the way uh, the team-building philosophies have changed in the National Football League. Yeah, no doubt. Anytime you get a chance to talk to a general manager, it's always uh, it's always a learning opportunity, and we uh, we take those every time we can get them. We're actually going to have another one here. We're going to roll with John Robinson here in just a second. Uh, but I want to talk about second-year players here while we got a minute, Buck, because we focus so much on this rookie class and what can be expected there. I think this year of second-year players, and not not the quarterbacks. We've we've talked so much about about Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, that whole crew. Um, I'm looking at some players outside that group that I would say the spotlight is on them, the pressure is on them to have big years. I'm going to give you a couple that I've come up with, and I'm anxious to see uh, who you have in the mix. I'm going to start off with Ronald Jones, uh, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last year, really got nothing out of him coming out of USC. But everything that you read and hear in the offseason, Buck, um, it's that Ronald Jones has kind of taken that next step, which he absolutely has to take to get this offense up and running here with Bruce Arians. DJ, here's the thing about Ronald Jones. Like, we both were excited about what he potentially could be coming out of SC. He was a guy that could run it uh, well on the perimeter. He called the ball really well. And I thought in the offense in Tampa, he would be a nice fit. I think it's an even better fit for him now with Bruce Arians, seeing the work that he was able to do with David Johnson. If Ronald Jones can kind of earn the right to get on the field, I do believe he could put up big numbers in Arians' offense. Yeah, he's a home run hitter, and I think when you get that vertical passing game really, really rolling there in Tampa, as Bruce Arians loves to do, I think it's going to create some space and some opportunity there, and I hope uh, Ronald Jones that we saw at USC emerges there for Tampa. Next one on the list, Marcus Davenport. Look, when you trade a future one, uh, a couple picks to go up there and get Marcus Davenport in a win-now mode uh, that the Saints are in, you expect big things. Unfortunately, he was injured a bunch last year. I had to fight through a bunch of different things and, and never really got to, to put all his skills on display. We saw flashes of it, saw how explosive he is. But I think he stays healthy this year. He's had some offseason surgery. Looks like he is 100% healthy. He, he wasn't, wasn't mentioned often, but you know Cam Jordan went with Von Miller, that pass rush uh, seminar that he does, and the guy going along with him, uh, Marcus Davenport. So Marcus Davenport, to me, 
always had the size, the explosiveness, just very raw. He can develop a little more technique, which you go to a place like that to acquire uh, some of those things. I think he's in for a special year and really a lot of pressure on him to produce. Cam Jordan on the opposite side. Uh, Marcus Davenport, I think, is due for a big year. Look, Marcus Davenport has to be uh, a guy that emerges as a complimentary rusher alongside Cameron Jordan. They invested a lot in making sure that they could get him. Uh, now he has to kind of produce and deliver the kind of numbers that they need, especially when you're a team that is playing with the lead. Their offense is always able to kind of jump on opponents. So defensively, they're playing teams that are in catch-up mode. They need pass rushes that can affect the passer. You have Cameron Jordan. They need Marcus Davenport to play at an A level. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, last one for me, and then we'll get to your list here. But James Washington, wide receiver at Oklahoma State, goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Didn't really get a whole lot out of him. No Antonio Brown. I've been kind of singing the praises of Dante Moncrief from everything I've heard about him in the offseason. But James Washington's going to have an opportunity to make some more plays this year. They can't force feed the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster. They're going to try and take him away defensively, and that's going to create some opportunities and need to see a big uh, sophomore season here for James Washington. Yeah, James Washington has to be a guy that is a major factor. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have done probably arguably the best job of developing your receivers, particularly those taken outside the first round. James Washington was expected to be a deep threat. Now that you have Juju Smith-Schuster positioned as your number one, someone has to emerge. He could be the guy that could be the beneficiary of all the attention now going to number 19. No doubt. All right, let's get to your list here, Buck. Give me a couple names. I'm going to start at the top with running back. How about Rashad Penny from the Seattle Seahawks? Rashad Penny was a surprise first-round pick. Uh, Rashad Penny was picked in the first round by the Seahawks because they thought he could give them uh, a tough runner between the tackles while also giving them a big-body pass catcher. We didn't really get a chance to see him do much. Had one 100-yard game, only had 400 yards on the year. We saw flashes, but we need to see more consistency. I need to see him get in the rotation and be a guy that kind of is a steady, stabilizing force to the running game. He has all the talent to be a number one back. We need to see it kind of play out this season. A deep stable of backs, and, man, they really committed to running the football last year, a lot of those six offensive linemen on the field. But I, I like to see them open it up a little bit more, and I think the, the open game I think is going to help somebody like Rashad Penny, and hopefully we'll see him uh, get rolling. Who's next? I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. And, look, Lamar Jackson is the rage because of the way that he was able to kind of spark the Baltimore Ravens uh, down the stretch. However, he was exposed a little bit in the playoffs. The L.A. Chargers put six, seven DBs on the field, kind of dared him to throw, and the Ravens did didn't have an answer. Lamar Jackson has to be prepared to deal with those kind of tactics. What I like about the way he's positioned, Greg Roman has really remade this offense from cutting down the verbiage to allowing them to do some read option stuff. So even though they're not going to allow him to run more, I think it's interesting that Paul Johnson, the former Georgia Tech and Navy head coach, a guy who's a triple option master, was around and available. I think they're going to have some creative things. I want to see Lamar Jackson grow as a number one quarterback and see if he can deliver big things for the Baltimore Ravens. Hey, Buck, you remember when we were growing up, because we are about the same age, and when they had those – do you ever see those glasses they had for basketball where you, they came yes. out like kind of horizontally blinders. so you couldn't yeah. see the ball when you dribbled? The blinders. Yeah, that to me, you need to get Lamar Jackson in the offseason, like blinders from the middle of the field. Like he's not allowed to throw in the middle of the field. We're just going to – everything to the outside. We're just going to keep Work repping that thing and keep throwing yeah. all these balls out to the outside so he can get a little more comfortable, a little more confident there. Yeah, he has to do that. I, I would like to see him really work on his footwork because I think a lot of his issues are tied to his feet not being – um, improper alignment with his eyes and, and where he wants to go with the ball. If he can tighten up his footwork, I believe he can be uh, an improved passer. I don't have uh, big visions of him being a 70% passer, but I think if they can get him to an acceptable level, maybe 61%, 62%, that could be enough for this offense to have enough passing game balance to really offset what they want to do with the run. All right, give me one more. Here we go. How about Taven Bryan? Uh, Defensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville moved on from Malik Jackson. They now have uh, an opening. Brian can come in and fill that void. This is a guy that is strong as an ox, has great athleticism. He should be a guy that can dominate against the run. Playing alongside Marcel Darius, uh, Calais Campbell, he should be a factor. This defense has to get back on track. they got to play like Saxonville, and part of being able to play like Saxonville is stopping the run on early down so they can pin their ears back and get after the passer. Taven Bryant has to be a part of that. He has to be a key contributor as a run defender. 
Yeah, a little bit of a bull in a china shop, man. He's explosive. And for him, it's about locating the football and just making some more plays. But the, the twitch, the explosiveness, uh, it is absolutely there. So those are some second-year players. Uh, we're looking to have big years. The spotlight is on, and we'll see what they do. All right, we got a chance to talk to Thomas Dimitrov a little bit earlier, Buck. Uh, now we get an opportunity to talk to another one of our buddies, the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. Here's our chat with John Robinson. Jay Rob, first question uh, from me is how how has it gone from the draft process now getting to see these guys out on the field? I know your first round pick's not out there yet, and Jeffrey Simmons, but how does the group look? Yeah, I mean, I think they're they you know they they've done a really good job of of immersing themselves uh, with the coaches, trying trying to learn the playbook and the terminology. You know, as both of you guys know, anytime that you're making that transition from college to, to pro, there's a lot of maybe plays that are similar and schemes that are similar, but the terminology is different. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have a great locker room here, and uh, the veterans have really helped those guys as well. You know, J-Rob, when you think about the Titans, you naturally think about the franchise quarterback, Marcus Mariota. You brought in a very experienced backup in Ryan Tannehill. How do you manage having two quarterbacks that are very athletic, very eager to play, but understanding their roles as they go forward? Well, I mean, that's one thing that, you know, when, when we decided to, to make that, that move and, and add Ryan, um, you know, I explained to Marcus that, that he's our quarterback and, um, you know, we're trying to make as competitive a roster as possible and explain to Ryan that Marcus was our quarterback, but we want him to come in here and, and push Marcus and help him be the best he can be on the field. And, you know, those guys have really, really worked well uh, together. They've been great in the meeting rooms together. Um, they've been extremely communicative uh, on the field and um, just excited to have both of them on our football team. I want to know just as a leader of this franchise, along with your head coach and, and coach Rabel there, you know, you've got a team that's been at that nine and seven mark for a while now. Uh, we kind of, we call it like the friend zone, I think on the podcast one day, you guys have been, you got to get out of that friend zone and take that next leap forward. So from a leadership no standpoint, what, what's been the message uh, to, to the, to the coaching staff, to the players, and even inside that building of how you guys can, and nine and seven is nothing to, nothing to be ashamed of, but to take that next leap to get you up where you want to go. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a, that's a great point. We've, you know, we've talked about that internally. Um, you know, Coach Vrabel has done a great job with the messaging to the team uh, this offseason because um, we, we have had three seasons, uh, three winning seasons. Uh, we're only a few, uh, one of a few handful of teams that, that have been able to, to do that yet. Um, and those are good. Uh, but we want to go from good to great. So that's been the message all through the offseason is going from good to great. How do we, how do we prepare each day uh, with the time that we're allotted uh, in these OTA sessions, in these mini camps, so that our days are better than 31 other teams' days uh, so that we can take that next step of going from good to great? You know, one room that you have in, the, in, in terms of meeting rooms, your running back room is outstanding in terms of the talent that you have there with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. When you have the opportunity to have a running back by committee situation, how do you manage that? How do you dole out the carries to keep both guys in the rhythm while also allowing them to excel based on the talent that they have? Yeah, as both of you know, that's that's always a um, you know a tough thing to navigate with with playmakers, whether it's receivers or tight ends or running backs. Um, you know, when when one guy's got the hot hand, he he wants either to keep keep getting balls thrown his way or keep uh, getting it handed to him. Um, but I think that just says a lot to the character uh, of the backs in that room, uh, that it's all about the team um, and, and they're willing to do whatever to, to help the team win, that wins are the most important thing. Um, both of those guys are selfless players. Um, they encourage each other. Um, they, they, they compete with each other. Um, and and it's, it's really a good room for us, one of our, one of our better rooms on the team. I want to get back to the football here in just a second, but for some reason, I don't know why, I'm just curious to know your response on uh, on something that took place in another sport. We saw the, the, the news story everybody's been talking about is this Kevin Durant injury, and and you saw Bob Myers come out there as a general manager of the team and, and discuss, it really just tears coming down uh, his face and discussing that situation. Um, I think people will be fascinated to know, if you have, you've been in, in this profession for a long time, when you have a player that's a starting caliber player, or even a star caliber player, and there's an injury, the people at home, I don't think they know who all gets involved in that decision for when that player uh, would be back on the field in a football setting. Yeah, it, it's always tough. It's, I mean, it's you, you really hate it uh, for the player. We had it go down last year when we lost uh, Delaney Walker in, in the opener. Delaney's 
been a heck of a player here for for a long time and um, you know he got hurt in that first game and we knew that his season was was likely over um, we have to we have to turn the page and, and, and keep going though we still got uh, a lot of season left um, but you know you you really you, you're you're gut wrenched for the player because you know they've worked so hard uh, to put themselves in the position to go out there and perform at a level and, and help the team win um, and, and, and it's always tough you know when there's when there's guys who you know, maybe aren't having a, don't have quite as severe an injury as Delaney had. Um, there's nothing more important. We say it all the time uh, here. There's nothing more important than, than the health and safety of the players. Uh, so we're going to err on the side of caution um, so that our players are, you know, can be out there and, and help the team. But they've got, they've got to be healthy. You know, Jay Rob, you, you were talking about your team earlier wanted to go from good to great. And one of the things that I've read about in reports, Coach Vrabel has kind of banned the word good and had his players replace it with great. How close do you guys believe that you are to getting over their hump? And how much can that psychological advantage in terms of just thinking about everything being great help you guys get to where you want to go? Well, I, you know, I think, you know, everybody's undefeated this time of year. Everybody's extremely optimistic about their football team. Um, uh, but it's, it starts with that, like you, you mentioned, the belief. We have to, we have to each individually believe uh, that, that we can take that next step. Uh, and when you believe in that, you can start to hold each other uh, accountable you know, so that, you know, you're trying to maximize your performance on a daily basis, whether you're a safety, a defensive tackle, offensive lineman, whatever position you may be, uh, your teammates can hold you accountable, hold you accountable uh, to live up to that great standard. And, um, you know, it's been a message that's really caught on uh, around here. And, um, you know, we hope it can, can, can certainly push us uh, to, the, to the next level. Last question for me. I kind of want to ask you because you talked about the running game and because you have an athletic quarterback that has been able to do damage with his legs. Uh, when you think about quarterbacks and the guys that are able to run the football, what does an athletic quarterback or a dual threat quarterback add to the offense? Yeah, that is a great question. And we're seeing more and more, it seems, uh, in the college game every year. You know, that seems to be the trend um, in college football is to have that guy who, uh, who may be the best athlete on, on the field playing quarterback uh, because he was probably the best athlete in high school and they played quarterback. Let him touch the ball every time. Uh, but I think what it does, it, it forces defense to have to account for that because, you know, there's a lot of defensive coordinators that are going to stay up late at night and going through those what-if scenarios. Well, what if he pulls it on this play or what if he does it this way? So you have to allocate practice time towards that. Um, and that may be something that's, that's, that's not in our game plan this week, yet they've spent a lot of time on it um, and, and maybe not spent enough time on something that we are going to attack them with. So I think having uh, that that type of quarterback who can beat you with his arm uh, and, and with his legs is certainly a um, it's 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 a neat thing to have on uh, for an offense. Well, I'm looking forward to watching this offense uh, get cranked up here. Week week one, Cleveland Browns. So talk about a team that's been getting a lot of attention. I'm sure there will be a lot of eyeballs on that one there to see you guys tee it up. We can't uh, we can't thank you enough for your time, man, and uh, we appreciate you. You got it. Uh, all the best, to you guys. Have a great summer. All right, Buck, J-Rob, look, he, uh, he is such a good dude. And you, a lot of times when people get hired, people say, you know, hey, this guy's a good evaluator. He's a good leader. Um, one of the things I would say about John once he got that job, and we've known him forever, is this is a guy who paid his dues, worked his butt off, and you feel good when nothing's given to him. I mean, he earned each and every promotion and opportunity he got, and I think he's done a nice job. Look, three nine and seven seasons here with the Tennessee Titans, looking to go from good to great. Um, he's somebody that's easy to root for. Just uh, He's just a great, great dude. Great, great dude. He is easy to root for, and I do believe the challenge that they face is going from good to great. How do they get from being a 9-17 to a team that kind of breaks through and becomes a 12-win or 13-win team? J-Rob talked about this team kind of staying on the details and what they have to do. I also thought his insight on running backs and that rotation that they have there was also pretty in, uh, interesting. Absolutely. Uh, good Good to catch up with him. And, man, this was a fun episode here. Anytime you get a chance to talk to a couple general managers, uh, that was a lot of fun. Talked about those second-year players we got our eye on. And, and really, man, the NBA, uh, thank you. Thank you for giving us a little talking point today. That was fun. That was fun. I mean, we can't thank the NBA enough. Had a big old trade, something that we could jump off the show with. I, I'm excited, but I do believe the parallels. We always talk about studying team builders from other sports. I do believe there's a correlation in how you build your team in other sports to the way that you can build your team in the National Football League. 
no doubt. Well, that's going to do it for us today, Buck. Anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? No, I mean, I just thought it was a great episode. Anytime we get an opportunity to talk to general managers, I think it only makes us smarter, which allows us to make the listeners and viewers smarter. There you go. Well, that's going to do it for us today here on Move the Sticks. Thank you guys for downloading, subscribing. Uh, thank you for leaving us those reviews. You got a bunch more reviews there on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate that. It's been a fun off season. Plenty more Move the Sticks content coming your way, and we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com/podcasts. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower, hybrid max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims, delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Turns out, a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.